I'm going to sing to you. Yes, please. Okay. <laughs> so I have original theme music that my friend, the bassist, John Clayton, created for insider interviews. But Claude, you get your own custom open by me. Okay. It's from Damn Yankees. Somebody must have sung this to you before, but you gotta have heart. Miles and miles and miles of heart. Yay. Bravo. Bravo. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm honored. I'm blushing. <laughs> so am I. Uh, so <laughs> that is the unique open to episode seven. Lucky seven, because I'm here with Claude Silver, who is the chief heart officer of VaynerMedia. Get it, everybody? Okay. Hey, it's E.B. Moss, and this is Episode 7 of Insider Interviews. It's Lucky 7 because I'm speaking with the first-ever Chief Heart Officer for VaynerMedia, Claude Silver. She has a job that requires her to make sure that everybody embraces uniqueness and work towards the common goals of Gary Vaynerchuk's company that include things like empathy, heart, speed, hustle, and definitely winning. Claude has a background in positive psychology. She also held leadership positions at a bunch of large ad agencies in the U.S. and the U.K. And by the way, she also ran an outdoor adventure and surf company. So her glass is always full, and she's going to explain exactly how she keeps it that way. Well, Claude is an evangelist of courageous conversations, so that was very appropriate for me to just sing cold. Uh, and I am a fan girl, so it takes a little courage to just dive in. But uh, Claude is also known for uh, being empathic, for sharing great insights. So, hey, Claude. Hey, girl. <laughs> Thanks for having me, and thank you for the opener. <laughs> You're welcome. Um I got to throw another curveball at you. Uh, I want to explain why our conversation could be very valuable to so many people right now. Um, you not only studied positive psychology to understand how we're, we can all like work better, uh, be together more, but you also spent 93 days without toilet paper on an outward bound adventure. <laughs> so nothing could be more apropos for a podcast conducted during the lockdown when people are going crazy for toilet paper. Yeah. yeah. I will admit that I did sneak some in. Oh. Um, when I would get, uh, every 18 days we'd get resupplied. And so we'd, we'd go to a hotel, uh -huh. shower off and whatnot. And so every now and then I'd sneak some in. It's just, but I tell you what, it was a uh, few and far between. I know what it's like. Uh, I know what, what finding the right kind of rocks such <laughs> a frightening concept. I mean, you pray for snow. And you are up in the Poconos now. So, you know, you, you pretty much are free range anywhere you want. You're, you're self-sufficient. Yeah, I'm a mountain girl. I think I'm a mountain girl. <laughs> well, Claude Silver is the chief heart officer of VaynerMedia. And Claude, I, this is really a free form conversation. And I know that you are the woman for the job. I've seen you speak many times before, whether it was on 
YouTube or uh, in person. And I, I recently covered you speaking on a webinar for She Runs It, um, one of my best read articles ever. So I was really excited to have you on here to help my numbers. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else. Um, let's do the number game. Exactly. And that's actually a, a good segue because you are all about employee retention at VaynerMedia. Given the fact that like a key KPI for you is retention, if you ever did leave, this is, this is what you would have on your resume. Forge human-to-human connections, create cultures of belonging, empower teams to be purpose-driven, you're a cheerleader and a snowboarder. <laughs> so <laughs> I want that kind of resume. Mic drop. Can you tell us in, in more conversational terms what that means about what you do? Yes, absolutely. Um, I, believe in, I believe in people. I really, really do. And I think that pretty much anything is accomplishable with uh, vulnerability, with people showing up to be big and authentic in conversations, to greeting one another, you know, both ways on a bridge, not, not, uh, not building walls, but really finding ways to bond with one another and connect. And um, ultimately, really what it boils down to is that I just don't see a lot of difference in humans. I think that we are all extremely similar. And when we can accept that, we can move through it and move with it and move on and do great things together. Oh my goodness, we need you to clone yourself and and multiply throughout the world right now. We really need that so much um, outside of Vayner Media. How does that manifest itself at Vayner? What's a, a day in your life? Yeah, even our you know even though my day is different today, it's actually yeah. similar because my day consists of being with people, and so now I'm not physically with them, so I'm on screens with them. I'm on still on one-on-ones, which I do quite a bit. You know, right now I'm doing a lot of Zooms and a lot of Hangouts where I've got either random people that have I've either selected or they've raised their hands and they come on and we do uh, culture jam sessions, really, or ask me anything, you know, AMAs. Or I work with a department and open it up for Q&A and really talk to them about, you know, who we are, what we do, why we do the things that we do. So my role was originally set up to scale Gary Vaynerchuk, our CEO. And so I'm in many ways translating his vision in my voice to them. Mm. You know, I'm very clear on the fact that I work for them. They don't work for me. In fact, I get uh, like my skin crawls when I see someone say, you know, I love working for you, which by the way is a compliment, but I want them to say, I love working with you. Nice, nice. I've also seen you bridle at um, the kind of bucket that people automatically want to put you in of HR. Mm -hmm. And you're not HR, and I'll let you explain why. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because while I'm not HR, I want to respect the fact that I have been in HR for four years now. I wasn't a trained HR practitioner. I trained as a psychotherapist and somehow took a left turn somewhere in 98 and, and, and ended up in this digital world when I was living in San Francisco for so long. Um, the, I'm, I'm in the business of people. 
Mm. That's that's what I'm in. I'm in the business of people and whether or not I was selling soap and, and working at advertising agencies on the front lines and, and, and advertising, or I was running a surfing company, or I was running ropes courses or whatever, I'm in the business of people. And, uh, and, and that's what I'm in. And I do believe that the world of HR is changing and turning and morphing into being that which they understand that they are here to be on the offense, not the defense of the company, but the offense of people and helping them get from point A to C to D, guide, being guides, being coaches, being, being Sherpas, if they will. Uh, however, HR has been regulated to being on the defense and being in the business of no. And that's just not who I am. So that would be a, a big conflict for me to say, I'm in that world. And I do want to say the world of HR has opened its arms to me. And so for that, I'm extremely grateful and fortunate because I've learned quite a bit. Mm -hmm. You just don't have to learn about the payroll details and things like that quite as much. <laughs> and I have some wonderful people that do it very well and a lot better than I could ever do it. Uh, well, you, there's like 900 people, almost 900 people at VaynerMedia now. Yeah, it's VaynerX, so it's a we have a holding company now. VaynerMedia okay. itself is about six hundred and fifty. VaynerX, which is our other smaller companies, whether or not it's Sasha Group or uh, Vayner Talent, that makes up VaynerX, and that's about eight hundred and fifty, eight hundred and sixty right now globally. Wow. I did hear Gary say something about you, and and he frequently describes you as the second most important person in the company. But I love this line. He said this um, last year or so. He said, when there's a debate between emotion, continuity, and what's best for the internal vibe versus the CFO and the bottom line, Claude wins 99% of the time. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. That's just a, little, a lot of power. And the CFO must like grind his or her teeth. But well, thankfully, he and I are, are, are good buds. And um I recognize what a difficult job he has and uh, the CFO and, um, but yeah, we are, we're in the business of people. I mean, I can't say it enough and we are people first. That doesn't mean that profit is not important. It is important, but how we treat people, how we show up for people is more important, mm. more important. Our culture is more important. And to use that word, actually, uh, and and you've said this yourself about you're in the the position of having to figure out how you scale culture. You know, how do you be a scalable version of Gary V? Because he's pretty unique. <laughs> I mean, uh, yes, he's pretty unique. We are. I would say we're we're two sides of the same coin, in that we have are very, very similar beliefs and the way they, the way they manifest or the execution of that might be a little bit different. And obviously who he is and his presence is just, you know, it's magnanimous, but um, it's magnificent. Actually, my version of scaling Gary is to remind people that every single person is responsible for the culture there. Every single person is unique. We have selected them because they can do the job and they add to the culture. And that scales Gary, it scales the culture. There is such a, um, an emphasis on possibility there. And what I usually say to people is, there's so much runway at VaynerMedia. You can do just about anything 
except for maybe that one sliver, that one sliver you might need permission for. But then that allows people to use their own curiosity and inspiration and their minds and their hearts to create this, to create a newsletter, to create employee resource groups, to create, 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 join, join. And so the, the responsibility isn't just on Gary. It's not just on Claude. It's everyone's. You know, I'm cultivating the culture just like Seth is or just like Susan is. There are a lot of um, tentacles we can follow now, but I, I want to respect the fact that this audience is primarily oriented towards media marketing and advertising. And one of the things that you also said is that VaynerMedia as an independent agency has an easier path to putting people at the center. And and I really want to know why that is and what suggestions you can offer the bigger agency holding companies or, or brands, things that they could emulate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I love the question because I was always in bigger agencies. This is a- yes, You were client facing at, at many agencies and you were a strategist for many years. Yep, worked, you know, whether or not it was P&G or Unilever or Clorox or all of a lot of very big Fortune 10 companies. Um, what we have going for us is we have one CEO. We do not have a board. And he is, in very many, in his own words, a malleable dictator. He now has a, a phenomenal re- uh, leadership team that he trusts now that he doesn't have to make all of the decisions. But by the way, all of the decisions do cross his desk, even when it comes to letting someone go. He needs to know exactly who that person is, what they did, have we done some kind of 360 feedback on them, why, you know, are they a bottom performer? Have we given them a performance improvement plan, you know, the details. Um, But this is really, you know, his creation in so many ways. And as I said just a, a second ago, we are all able to add our fingerprints and our blueprints to his creation. I mean, he can't do it alone. So the fact that we don't have to go to a board and we don't have to uh, work with Wall Street is a real win. We're much more efficient. We know what we're doing. The vision is set and we can go. We don't need to go you know, dot an I and cross a T here. So speed has been um, a, a big um it's more than a buzzword. It, it's uh, it's a rule to live by at Vayner. Uh, and I'm guessing that that gives you not only the competitive edge, if you can trust your people to turn things around, but I'm guessing that retention minimizes like the onboarding time and the blah, blah, blah to get them up to speed. So how else does that manifest? Yeah. So actually I will say not only is speed a guiding principle, speed is a KPI for us how fast, how efficient, how effective, you know, can we cut through the red tape? We don't want to be like those other places out there. And there's nothing wrong with those other places. But we have a real chance to really break, break advertising as we know it today and marketing and do it in a, and do it differently. So that's the one thing that's that's the first thing I'll say is that speed is a KPI for us. And to just give a little bit of background on how we used to hire, because how we used to hire got us speed. And I changed how we hired four years ago when I took the role. But how we used to hire was, look, the, the company was, was built by two brothers who hired their friends. 
They're friends of friends. They're friends of friends, friends of friends. And so what did you have there? You had a consistency of, um, of, of knowledge share of, of like, 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 like-minded. You had a lot of apples in the basket. You didn't have any pears and there were very seldom would you find a banana. But because you had that, um, that sameness, it got you speed very quickly. What it didn't do is it didn't get us diversity. And so four years ago, I changed the way we hired from culture fit to skill set fit and culture addition. And that means we both like music, but we both don't have to love Dave Matthews. There's a difference there, right? We both love the water. You surf, and I would just like to be next to the water. That means our, our, uh, there's a culture addition. Our values are in the same zip code, but they're not identical. And that allowed us to get difference and to bring in all different types of people and, and backgrounds and socioeconomics and all of those things. So now we've got people that can actually do the job, which is where our speed comes in. And we've got people that really enjoy being with one another, where our speed comes in. How do you suss that out in a, in a candidate? How do you suss out fit? What do you grill them with? Well, skill set fit. I mean, obviously they need to be able to do the job. So whether or not you're a creative, you're going to ask questions, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, conceptual, uh, how, how well do you conceptualize? Or what do you do when you have a brief that says, uh, create this, make, make this soap relevant to millennials? I mean, hello. Who doesn't say that about soap? Everyone wants millennials to be buying this brand of soap. So, you know, how, let's, let's listen to how that person is going to work through that brief and what they're really going to be digging for, insights and whatnot. Um, in terms of the culture addition, what you're looking for there is, you know, because EQ and empathy and the golden rule and all of those things are so important to us, you're going to ask a lot of open-ended questions. When was a time when you... Tell us about a time that you failed. How did you do it? How did you get back up? When was a time that you received poor feedback? When was a time you gave a lot of radical candor feedback? You know, let's see what that person is saying so we can hear how they would, not only how they talk about themselves, like everyone fails. So if you say you didn't fail, well, goodbye. But let's, let's hear how they work with themselves, their own self-awareness, their compassion towards themselves and other people, because those are people we're going to want on our teams. Nice. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, I do live by the golden rule and I was just, I just said the golden rule. I mean, how you treat others is really, how you treat others is how you end up seeing others. And we want to make sure that we're seeing people and we're treating people in the same type of light, which is an, a, light, a light that like anything's possible, like they can do this. We give them the tools and let's see them soar and let's see them thrive. Yeah. Yeah, so empowering and and to have that runway, that opportunity, phenomenal. Now, in terms of diversity, I got I got a tough one for you. You haven't shied away from owning your age. Mm-hmm. You have posted lessons learned to date. So uh, I'm I'm not saying anything you haven't. You're a fifty something woman now. So one last week, fifty one as of last week. <laughs> So let's talk about ageism. You know, Vayner, of course, has a reputation as um, a a young blood kind of space. So how do you combat ageism, both of the senior set and of the starting out set? 
And what advice do you have for those of us in that age bracket, especially women of a certain age? Um, but but seriously, real talk about that, Claude. Yeah. So I will say when I joined Vayner six years ago, six years ago, literally yesterday. Uh, Happy the anniversary. Average, thank you. The average age was 23. So the average age now is 31 and a half. So we've really aged up. We've been around 11 years now. And so watching this company not only age up, our, our people are going through different life stages now. So, you know, we've got people that started at 23. It's they're still their first job or second job that are now married and have their first kids or about to have their first kids. So that's been a really wonderful trajectory. And I have to say, coming in, I never, ever, ever thought of myself as older than them. I just knew I was more experienced. You know, I knew I had been around. I knew I had more lines in my face, those types of things. But I had so much to learn from them, which really just leveled the playing field. You know, they want to learn from me. I've been around for a while. You know, they especially, you know, a lot of females want to learn, like, how do you become a leader? Mm -hmm. I wanted to learn how to become a social media practitioner. So I had, mm -hmm. you know, we had a lot to learn. I don't want to say that there isn't ageism because of course there's ageism because there's unconscious bias in the world. However, I will say on the leadership team, there are, there are all, I would say every single leader now is on my closer to my side than 35. Let's say that. So we've really, you know, we have brought in a lot of people that have enormous amounts of tenure and we needed that because we needed more rigor uh -huh. more experience. So that's the first part of the question. The second part of the question is, you know, I believe I made a, I made a pivot in my career when I was 45. I, uh, 45, 46. I mean, Gary hired me as a client service strategist. He brought me over from London. I ran the Unilever uh, team here. And then I said, I'm, I'm done with advertising. You know, thank you so much. I'm no longer interested in selling a product you're great. This is a great place. Like, but I'm done. And I pivoted into being 100,000% in the people space. And I happened to have gotten very lucky that he already knew me and trusted me to give me this role. However, what I will say is we all know that when you get to that place in your life where you just can't do that anymore, I do believe when you, when you hit the bottom like that and your soul kind of dies in a way, that, mm -hmm. that's when you start. That's when mm. you figure out, like, what is it that really is going to light you up and where can you do that? Yes. Now, today is a different age and I, I understand, you know, we're in COVID and we're all lucky that we have jobs right now, those of us that, that do. But what I will say is for the people that, that say to me, you know, how, my CEO is not like that and how can I make culture change and so forth and so on. I worked at those same exact companies and I just did it. There are always going to be people that are like you that want to make the place better, that want to mentor, that want to bring more levity uh, um, and imagination into a place. So just do it. It only takes two people to have a meeting. And then you get a groundswell. And then you do, you know, an open art show, have an open gallery one night. I mean, I, I just, what I, will, what I will say to people is culture change starts on the fringes, you know, Hip hop music didn't just like pop. It didn't just like get onto Z one hundred, and 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 start to be big one day. It starts in the fringes. It's a it's underground. Mm. Find people that have 
that same type of gusto and desire and thirst to make things better and to bring more color into a landscape, you will, you will change the culture. But don't change yourself to fit into a place. That's not what I believe we need to do. Yes. Assuming that we can all pivot and, and find a way to, to survive and thrive in, in this environment. Um, so how is it steering the humanship of 850-something people from a cabin in the Poconos? <laughs> <laughs> it's not too bad. You know, the screen, uh, when you're on a screen, everyone has the same size square. <laughs> and so for someone like me who likes to believe that we're all very similar, it has leveled the playing field. And I definitely think that while we have to work a little bit harder to create this connection, we're all looking at each other. And sure, if we were in the physical room with one another, it'd be different. I'd feel your vibe. I'd see your body language. But I'd still see that that person was fidgety or nervous or whatnot. Now we're looking at each other. We're actually, the vulnerability of being invited into each other's house and room is something that we had to get over pretty damn quickly. Yes, please don't judge all the pictures on my refrigerator that I know you can see. <laughs> and I love them, actually. <laughs> I, love, I love the shelves. Uh, so me continuing to show up and do what it is I do, which which my job description continues to be, uh, touch every single employee and infuse the agency with empathy is me showing up and me being fully present on these zooms and hangouts and, and, um, and being of service in the, the exact way I would be of service if we were together physically. Now, as a strategist and as a, a human evangelizer, what advice would you have for brands? I'm going to expound on this for a second. Um, there's been a lot of debate about what advertising should look like now. Um, and in our, our first few weeks, there were a lot of heartfelt ads that uh, didn't describe product. And some of the things I've read is that consumers are, are more eager to see normal, we'll call it advertising again. Um, and I, I spoke with Erica Keswin a couple of episodes ago, and um, I know Marla Koplovitz of the four A's talked about this too. And they both said that it's essential to think about how you want your brand to be remembered during the pandemic days. So it's a two-part question. It's as a strategist, what do you think brands should be doing? And what kind of approach do you see them taking in advertising now? Mm -hmm. Okay, great question. So um, on one hand, I, I, I do think that brands have a very big responsibility to be as authentic as possible today and not try to pull the wool over anyone's eyes because, by the way, we are all reading the same news we are all in the same climate. There is a, we're in a sea of sameness right now, right? I don't know if it's Friday or Tuesday or Monday today, right? And, you, and nor do you. I'm wearing the same sweatshirt that you know I would have worn last week had we done this. So we're all, it, we're, there's, there's a level playing field and we're all in this world together. So don't try to fluff that we're not. That's the first thing. And I would also say, there's something about the human spirit that uh, you know we are resilient people. We are resilient animals. 
and we will get through this. And so I don't think we need to be cotton candy and ooey gooey. But I also don't think we need to be showing things that are not attainable today. For example, if I was an alcohol brand, uh, I don't I don't think I should be showing adverts of people going into bars today because that's not happening. And by the way, we all long for that. So we're, we are social animals. We all crave to go sit down at your favorite restaurant and order that glass of Chardonnay or Pinot Noir. And that's not happening. Right? And <laughs> now we're both... <laughs> <laughs> you know, how many more ways can I make chicken? I don't know. I'm out. I'm out of <laughs> Let's get real about that. I think that there is, there's the resiliency, there's the authenticity. I think there's fine to have a little bit of levity, which we see in these memes on Instagram and everywhere. You know, the ads that I see, or the, I should say, they're not ads, they're user generated content that you see. That's the real deal. It's like, you know, yeah, me going to the refrigerator 20 times in one hour because it's there. Those are things that I think are, they capture human emotion and that's what it's about. And by the way, that's what it's always been about. However, I think in times of, you know, two months ago and eight years ago and, you know, five months ago, brands wanted to give that consumer peace of mind. You buy this and your worries go away. The laundry is done. I, I don't believe that's where we are today. The peace of mind, the peace of mind you can give me is telling me that it's safe to go back into Manhattan. I can bring my 18 month child into Manhattan. I can go back to work. And that's just not something you can tell me, Mr. or Mrs. Brand. Yes. Yes. So uh, are there cause oriented things that every single brand should be doing now um, I, I don't know. I don't know if every single person needs to hop on that same bandwagon. I think that every single brand, I would like to think every single brand would be mindful of the fact that we are all in this world together. And we all know that we're all going to be needing face masks. We have frontline workers that are in need of uh, uh, help right now. You know, I mean, like, let's not deny what is happening. But I think that there are other ways to hit human beings right now than, than all of us doing the same pulling on heartstrings type of work. And yes. I would show more ads connecting people together. Yeah. Coming together uh, on, on a Zoom or a Squadcast or a Hangout, like that's what we're all doing. So why not do an ad about that? Showcasing, I don't know, we're all drinking the same beverage because it's it's happy hour with your team. And so we've all decided to, you know, I don't know, do iced teas. And so, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, let's not deny the fact that you and I are talking through a screen rather than in person. We are. Call it what it is. Call it what um, it is. But also communicate trust and empathy. Your, your favorite Absolutely. word. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think also the, the vulnerability, and I don't mean that in a sappy way, but the vulnerability that you have knowing that I am looking right at your refrigerator, <laughs> you know, and me having your, you trust me enough to know, like I'm looking at your refrigerator and I think it's amazing that there's a collage or whatever over there. You're looking at my in-laws cabin here. And I don't even know if this couch is from this century. I was a little judgy about that, by the way. <laughs> so <laughs> we might as well just call it what it is, right? Yeah. Didn't want to say anything. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. So that's how, Brands can behave, Claude. What about leaders 
who do you model yourself after? I mean, like one of those living or dead, Eleanor Roosevelt or, you know, Lady Gaga. I don't care. Yeah, my Nana, who uh, died three years ago at 101. And she, uh, she worked in retail from the time she was probably seven at her dad's store and, and, you know, worked at, worked at Saks Fifth Avenue for a zillion years and then volunteered all this stuff. She, uh, we called each other heart. So that's what we would call each other. And she would go into a Trader Joe's or the bank or wherever it was. And as she's at Trader Joe's and they're handing her back her cash, she would say, Evie, would you do me a favor? Cause she would see your name tag. Would you do me a favor? And you'd say, yeah, sure. Would you have a peaceful day? would you have a nice day? And uh, that's who I model myself after. That's so lovely. So that was kind of, I never know how to pronounce this word, prescient of you that you called each other heart and then you became the chief heart officer. Oh yeah. She was alive when, when that happened. So it was was pretty amazing. So um, yes, she in so many ways emotionally raised me and my parents did as well. And they're, they're fantastic but you know anyone that has a, a generous spirit and and a spirit of gener comes from a spirit of generosity and knows what it's like to be a we not an I is who I'll model myself after. I mean, I think you know Michelle Obama blows me away. I just watched the the Netflix show the other day and I was just in tears. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people that that understand what it's like to be a human being and that it ain't pretty all the time. And aren't afraid to look at that and confront that and speak about it. And then we can move on. Yes. To deny it is to deny that, to just deny living. I don't know. I don't know how else to say it. So, um, you know, I really believe that the legacy I want to live is, uh, leave is, you know, that I had a, that I had a, a generous heart and that, you know, every day I have this opportunity to, leave someone feeling better than they did before I walked in, before I got on Zoom. And it is really the Maya Angelou, you know, adage, which is, you know, people forget what you did, people forget what you, you said, but they will never forget how you made them feel. And and that's it for me. It's phenomenal. And, and Claude, I know that you value transparency and authenticity too, even if that's a little bit of a buzzword, it, it's true with you. Um, you've talked about just to bookend um, you know, what we talked about in the beginning with toilet paper, um, <laughs> that you had it rough, you know, you didn't make the best choices as, as a kid. And hence you forced yourself on a 93 day outward bound of the most extreme circumstances. Yeah. And now you have an 18 month old. So we've talked about what leaders should do, what brands should do. What do you think? parents should be doing to help support kids these days and, and help them to make good choices? Yeah. I, I think it's extremely important for parents to help their children identify their emotions and find outlets for their emotions. Because bottling your emotions, as we all know, ain't going to get you anywhere. 
So that's, that's my hope for parents. That's certainly my hope for myself. Uh, and as I raise little Shalom, um, you know, let's not stuff, let's not cork things. Let's let them out because there is no emotion that's that scary. Nice. I love that you named your daughter the word for peace. Yeah. It's beautiful. And the other thing that's really great is that we're recording on a platform called Squadcast. And instead of putting um, your exact name on the bottom, and I'll try to add a screen grab of this, it labeled you the way Google Docs sometimes will come up with like rambunctious chipmunk or something like that as the, the persona. You are courageous resonator. Yeah. I don't know how Squadcast came up with that label for you, but it's kind of perfect. Thank you. Courageous resonator. Yeah. Claude Silver, I'm going to sing one more thing to you because it's all about the bookends. It's all about the, you know, synergy here. Ready? I learned this in Girl Scout camp. It was, we had toilet paper. It was not like outward bound. Make new friends, but keep the old. One is silver and the other's gold. I know that one. You got a great voice. Thank you. That might not have been my best version, but the sentiment was from the heart, so to speak. Thank you. I hope you got some good inside scoop from this podcast. There's a lot more where this one came from. So please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you download your podcasts, Apple, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, you know the drill. I also want to thank Eric Klein for his excellent editing and my friend John Clayton for the fantastic theme music for insider interviews with E.B. Moss.